Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi, you're listening to Great Women in Compliance on the Compliance Podcast Network with Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine. This is a first for me, an ethics and compliance leader who is also sommelier. Today, we're speaking with Renata Moretti, the head of controls, compliance, and ethics for Diageo. She works in Peru, Ecuador, Bolivia, Argentina, and Chile, and is based in Chile. Like many of us, Renata started as in-house counsel and worked most of her career in South America, but she also worked in Madrid. When she moved to Chile, she started taking sommelier classes and is now certified as a professional sommelier. One of the most interesting parts of this story is how her sommelier training also applies to ethics, compliance, and internal controls, not just by drinking wine as the end to her day. This is also great because we're going to get a little bit of extra, you know, free tips for the holidays too. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for the opportunity. So can you talk to a little bit about your background and how you started in ethics and compliance and now have a role that also includes internal controls? Sure. So as you mentioned, I used to be an in-house lawyer. I was focused in contracts and customers' rights. And then one day I got a call from the headquarters in U.S. from the company I used to work at that time requesting me to uh, roll out an anti-corruption program in Brazil. And I've never, ever heard about it before. (laughs) I started to look into that, studying that. And, well, I'm Brazilian, and I lived most of my life in Brazil until that time. And it was, whoa, that really rings a bell. And then I started to fall in love into that. And really feeling that compliance had a meaning more than what I was doing before. And then I had an invitation to join another company called CWT, this time to have a 100% compliance function. And then I definitely fell in love with that. I had the, the opportunity to meet great, great women in, in that company, I guess you talked to some of them. I guess you talked to uh, Lisa Bethlentini, to Christine Redhart. So I had a good school. And, and then I moved to Chile and to Diageo with something that was more than uh, other than the compliance that we used to know, policies, training, and internal investigations. I have this internal controls role too. So it's uh, like putting everything together and, and seeing from end to end the whole compliance chain. And of course, Diageo is a, a leader in the alcohol industry. So it was a good match for my two mis <laughs> compliance <laughs> and sommelier. Well, that is actually, I you know, I find this part of it so fascinating. Both how did you decide to become certified as a sommelier Um you know, sort of, and how does that align a little bit with your with your compliance work and background? I think it's, it's so fascinating. When I moved to Chile about three years ago, I thought it was a good opportunity to learn how to some more about wine. Chile is a huge wine producer, and then I decided to to take a, a course, a small course, like a basic course, 
my idea, my main goal was to go to the supermarket, look into hundreds of bottles and know what I was buying. As basic as that. And then I decided to take this course, who was not a one-day course. It was a three-month wine course, and a sommelier course, in fact. And then I discovered a whole new world. Imagine open doors of sensations, flavors. Once again, just like in compliance, I fell in love. And three years later, I'm a professional sommelier. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, <laughs> but I'm here. One of the things, though, that you also talked about about your your work as sommelier is it relate. You find that some of the work that you're doing it relates back to compliance and training, and I, I just think it's just a fascinating link outside the idea that some people jokingly will say in a boring training, uh, you should get get a glass of wine or something like that. So talk a little bit about what you learned in that course and how you've applied it to general compliance training. People think about a sommelier being a sommelier. People think it is all about wine. And it's, it's true, but it's also just part of it. When, we, when you are a sommelier, you go through a lot of different things. So we study wine, we study spirits, we study chocolate, abanos, um, coffee, tea, food. So it's a, a, a wide range of things. But most of all, most of all these things, being a sommelier is being a server. Sommelier is being about serving people, amazing people. It's like the, the main idea is when you have one night out, having dinner with your family and you order a glass of wine or a cocktail, the main work of a, a sommelier is amaze you, make you feel really happy at that very moment. And when I look back to compliance, Compliance sometimes is like wine for most of us, like I was when I came to Chile. People have no clue about compliance. Why do you need to do this? Why do I have to do this training? Same as looking into a wine list. What should I order? I don't know anything about it. I have no clue what this wine is. How does it taste? Now, after getting into this word of, of uh, the sommelierie, what I want to do into my compliance role is amaze people. Is when I talk about compliance, I want them to make comfortable and feel secure in my instructions. I want them to be amazed in the training. I want the training to be fun. I want them to remember that, that moment, that policy, that tip for a while, just like a glass of a very good glass of wine that you have. So this is, it may sound a little strange, but I feel I'm a much better compliance professional now that I am a sommelier because I really want to amaze people with compliance and compliance is, is great. So we can do that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm, I'm smiling as you're, as you're speaking <laughs> because I'm thinking about, well, Everybody should not be taking away. You should have an amazing glass of wine, but there are also the learnings. You should also should get the certification and you know, the sommelier to fully understand sort of the extent of the alignment. Um, and I think that it's fantastic. 
What I think is also really interesting too, is how you have um, taken your passion for ethics and compliance into the world of uh, sommeliers. Um, I know that you've you incorporated that in your work with the International Association. I think that's a great project. I'm, I'm super proud of it. So we have in, we have this association called the International Association of Sommeliers. During the, the, the sommelier course, we need to make a final paper for it. And my final paper was about ethics in sommelier. Somehow it came to the attention of International Association and now we're putting together a compliance program for the International Association of Sommeliers. You know, alcohol industry can be very tricky and big companies already, like Diageo, already have compliance programs in place. But when it comes to uh, sommelierie, we don't have uh, uh, companies that offer sommelier uh, jobs offer sommelier services to people, but most of us uh, work by ourselves and we don't have this structure of compliance. So the idea is to put together uh, this compliance structure for the International Association and then based on that to have the National Associations with their own uh, compliance structures too and then finally come to the independent sommeliers. So it's a long, very long road, but I'm extremely happy to see that not only big companies, not only the regular uh, corporate business are interested in, in compliance, but we can also spread this amazing culture, this great uh, lessons of compliance to the sommeliers to the wine industry to the uh, across the alcohol industry in all it it fields. So let's see how we move on. It's a it's a great work, and I'm extremely happy that the International Association uh, bought it. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I think it's so much fun when you're a, you know a person is able to take something they're really excited about and then also apply what you do professionally i mean there it, there's it's really quite fun yeah you're right i'm i'm completely in love with both so <laughs> it's easier make that easier yeah i mean it's uh, and you know one of the it, and it also like you said it, it brings a lot to what you're doing you mentioned before but can you talk a little bit about your compliance culture now at diageo and you know how you you know as you've been putting it is helping people do the right thing um, and how have you grown that culture we have headquarters in the uk so we are a multinational company very very structured on on compliance and internal controls so, of course, make things easier. Uh, but we are an alcohol company. So when it comes to compliance, besides everything that we, that we do regularly, anti-corruption, antitrust, um, data privacy, and all these highlights, we have a huge concern about uh, drinking in the right way about things that are allotting to the, the alcohol industry, like harassment, like women empowerment, um, fighting against 
sexual harassment. Drinking and driving is a no for us. So, and this is into the culture. So here, when we talk about compliance, we of course talk about the all the regular things that I said, but it but it is so into our culture because of this other extremely important part about responsible drinking and and how to treat each other's how alcohol influences our our behaviors that it's it's an everyday uh thinking about doing the right thing doing uh, every day we have our ambition is to be the most respected and trusted company in the world so in our really everyday life we have just this thinking so make it makes a lot easier we have a huge tone from the top in everything but i guess being in the alcohol industry and having this uh accountability over people's lives makes it easier to go through the other paths of compliance like anti-corruption data privacy like doing the right thing for us the first thing that we think about is doing the right thing when consuming uh, alcohol and then we move all this and strong responsibility that we have into the other uh, areas of compliance so it's a, it's to be very honest it's a very nice company to be in because we basically talk about compliance every day in everything that we do we need to be very very aware of our responsibility outside the the offices. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, when you think about it, because you have all of the safety and security concerns and other things related to that. Um, also one, but one part of it also, a lot of the people, a lot of our listeners are based in the US and the UK. Um, mm-hmm. You, I, could you talk a little bit about South America in particular? Um, both both culturally and what you do within you know your work and also the things that you often think to yourself you know you you wish that um the people in the u.s or uk might you sort of know um would know or understand about your region a little bit more oh yeah south america this bubbling continent (laughs) (laughs) yeah we are well we have a lot of things to, everything happens all the time in South America. So uh, we have this huge movement in Brazil um, against corruption. We now have a lot of social movements all over South America, including Chile. You know, if the you got the news in the U.S., but we are under a lot of uh, social uh, and political discussions also in Chile who used to be one of the most uh, calm uh, countries in South America. So I guess, to be honest, I guess we have, uh, since a few years ago, we've been experimenting a huge moment in South America for change. And I guess part of that, to be very honest, is uh, because of the movement that big companies with headquarters in US, UK, Europe, as you mentioned, made in South America. Back there, when I look at 
Uh, I remember my boss from U.S. calling me to say, you need to implement the anti-corruption program in Brazil. It was like, uh, what are you talking about? And now we look around and pretty much every company has a compliance program in place. So I guess part of this good moment of South America was because of that too, because of the, the private sector moving into this wave. And But I guess, well, South America is, as I mentioned, a bubbling place. And one thing that I would say, because I don't think this will be over, uh, this, I don't, don't think we can go back in this movement. One tip that I would say is uh, have someone who understands the culture, because it's, it's a cliche, yes, pretty much everyone says that, but it's true. Other places of the, of the world, there are differences, huge cultural differences, and they need, to be, they need to be noted, they need to be taken into account. So having someone who understands the, the culture, who speaks the language, makes a huge difference and trust. I guess we in, in South America, based in South America, need to trust our headquarters because you have a lot of experience on that. Pretty much everything from compliance comes from U.S., for instance. And the other thing is, is true. When someone in South America, when you people in South America say, mm, maybe we need to do this differently, maybe we need to communicate this in a different way, trust them because probably they, they quite understand that the message will not be delivered the way uh, you wanted to. So this, this trust uh, relation is it's basic, it's crucial for having a successful compliance program when you are based in a place and, and needs to spread around different countries, especially in South America. Yeah, I was thinking as you were speaking about, I mean, uh, South America in itself is very diverse. I mean, the countries are different, um, you know, in Brazil, first language is you know, Brazilian Portuguese, um, yeah. which I remember very clearly every time in my prior role, I finally had to tell the, the guy, the, there were two guys in Brazil who were fantastic compliance people that I knew that I would make sure that we had let, let, Latam Spanish and Brazilian Portuguese, not mm -hmm. the inversions, but they, you know, they think that, you know, it's also a diverse area, um, as well, which I'm sure, you know, you, you have that challenge in your work too. Um, um, but you did mention some commonalities as well with, you know, training or the way when you trust the people, you know, how, how do you find that you communicate things or do things with your teams that may be different to train or inform than some of the other parts of the world? To South America. And probably if I ask you, tell me three things that come to your mind when we, when I say South America to you, you say sun, you say joy, you say um, fun or things like that. And that's pretty much true here with you in the office. And if I open the door, you, you will hear a lot of noise outside because people are pretty much screaming to each other and talking and laughing and making fun and having fun while they work. So if I bring to these people uh, 
straightforward training with 10 PowerPoint slides and a lot of talking, it will not work. But if I have a game, split them in teams and have a competition, the message will be delivered. If I make them record videos or make songs about the policies, it will be success successful for sure. To, to give you an example, I had a, at some point a huge time for understanding the GNE uh, policy, like the, the, the main things, what we need to do. And we've been training that through months and months and mistakes were still there. And then one day I was literally taking shower and it came to my mind, I won on Jenny, mm -hmm. put a, a, a video clip of Queen singing, I want to break free with subtitles. I, I have a Jenny, what do I do with that? Of course, in, in Spanish. And it was about a year ago. Until today, sometimes people tell me, you know what? I have a Jenny. <laughs> really? So games, puzzles, activities, competitions, music, uh, movies, it all connects to this culture of joy, of fun, of uh, talking out loud. So I guess this is uh, what we need to look for. What works, and of course, what works here will not work in Asia, will not work in Africa, will maybe not work in US. What works in Brazil, maybe will not work in Chile. For me, this is the magic of this. Yeah. Once again, mentioning Queen, that kind of magic. <laughs> and finding this and this is specificities and, and trying to get compliance into that. In the end of the day, compliance can be fun. Compliance, compliance is a great thing to, to share. It's something that we, you, we all that work, who work in compliance, we are very proud of that. We are very proud of what we do. So I guess that the, the, the key is to how we are going to share the passion in a way that people will understand it and, and be amazed. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. Um, I have two other things before we close off. One is um, if there's anything, you know, any particular sort of advice for, for women or starting their careers or one thing that you've talked about that I think is advice for all of us is if you have a, another passion outside of compliance, you know, go for it and you'll never, you know, both will complement each other. But I, I don't know if you have any other specific, you know, uh, advice or thoughts for women either from um, South, South America or just generally. Um, I guess I, I can talk in both compliance or, 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 or similarity. For me, besides that, be, be passionate about what you do. Really, really like it. It makes a lot of difference when you like what you do, make it, makes everything easier. But the other thing, and I mentioned it before, is connect. I've met a lot of people. It's a, sometimes a very male word, both corporate business and, and the seminary. But I've met amazing, amazing women during my path. Uh, can, and, and most of all, they were very generous. 
they usually toast each other, celebrate it with each other. So connect, connect. Don't be alone. Don't feel alone, even though sometimes we do feel, but connect to people. There are a lot of great women doing great and great jobs, be inspired by someone. Not only women, of course. I've met hundred yeah. amazing men who were open to, to diversity, to inclusion, to make you be part of that, to have open conversations. So connect to people. Don't be alone. Don't be, don't try to, to prove. Sometimes women try to prove that we can do by ourselves, but we are not alone. And there are a lot of people great people that really we should connect and be inspired uh, by. But, and, and you've been talking to a lot of them. <laughs> there, are so many, there are so many out there. It's just been a wonderful experience. When you talk about passion for something, the sort of the excitement of getting to know this group and this network is one of those things that really, you know, keeps me going. And I feel super fortunate. Now, the last thing I have to ask you before we go, um, we'll is first of all, you know, this is going to be coming out before U.S. Thanksgiving and all of the winter holidays or summer holidays, depending on what part of the world you're in. Um, but I was wanted to know if, um, first of all, if you had some Chilean wine tips or suggestions on what to look for, and also um, for you to mention, I know you have an Instagram page, so that since we only will have a couple minutes, so that I like my me and everybody else can get some more tips on these things and learn from your experience. So. Yeah, so let me start for the easy, easiest part of it. Yes, I do have an Instagram. It's uh, Bom Dia Frambuesa. And I guess it's better for you to, to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> it will absolutely be in the, in the notes for the show. And on, uh, it'll, be, it'll be out there. So I'm, yeah, and I, and I'm not going to be following it today. So Great. So I'll make a promise here. I will write more in English so everybody can get the tips. And because it's basically in Spanish and Portuguese, there are a lot of things in English too, but I'll be more uh, into English so people can uh, better understand Chilean wine most of all. And talking about Chilean wine, uh, more than, than telling you a brand or a specific, I will share with you how I, uh, I've learned to, to buy Chilean wine. And it's kind of tricky because if you don't know Chile, you don't know the regions in Chile, you probably will not be accurate on buying your Chilean wine. Because here, for me, the most easy way to, to buy Chilean wine is by region. So making it easy, if you are looking for a white wine like Sauvignon Blanc, like uh, Chardonnay, look for coastal regions. And I can send you and you can put a note on the, you can write it down in the podcast note too. Look for Casablanca, Limari, San Antonio. If you're looking for red wine, you go for like Sauvignon, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon or Carmenere, the, the Chilean star. Look for Colchagua or uh, Maule, Maipo. But if you want to be very Chilean, you will look for a specific grape called Pais. 
which means country in, in Spanish. And you go for two regions, Maui and Itata. For me, Pais, and there's another great Carignan. They're both uh, red wines. They are Chilean rising stars. So take that note. You'll be super cool if you go into uh, your holiday dinner and bring a Chilean Carignan and say, you know what? This is a raising star for Chile. And it, it's a very, uh, it's a full body wine with a lot of floral aromas in the nose. So it's very pleasant to, to have and goes amazing with meat, but it has some delicacy to go with the classic turkey too. So I guess this is what you should be looking for, Chilean Carina. This is perfect. I'm going to have to, after we're done, also get the correct spelling of some of these things to make sure that I can go buy the right thing. Because yeah. now, today, today I'm going to be moving out of the Sonoma region and into Chile, um, which may upset my college roommate who lives near Sonoma. But, you know, we can share. So... That's great. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Let's make you a Chile ambassador in USA. <laughs> I'm, I'm completely happy to do that. And thank you for being a compliance and wine ambassador for us. And thank you so much for your time today and for joining us on the podcast. And for Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine, thank you um, for joining us on the Compliance Podcast Network. And thanks again, Renata. Thank you. And Keep on the good job. Keep connecting people. It's amazing. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.